We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. Little by little, we're filtering in, aren't we? Filtering in. We have some that filtered in that filtered out. They're on vacation. No, they didn't leave. They're just on vacation. They didn't, they didn't filter out. It's good to have the Robinsons home. Glad you made it home. You weren't on vacation, but they made it home. We've missed them. It's good to see you. Every one of you that's here, it's good to see you. John 14. I don't know if you've ever taken the opportunity, but John 14 is a very, very powerful, not that the rest of the Word of God isn't, but John 14 is a very powerful, powerful chapter. Uh, it's, it's, it, there's excitement, there's understanding, there's revelation, there's all kinds of things in it. And so we're going to talk about this just a little bit. John 14, let's just read one verse. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Understand this. The Jew at that time could not receive, accept, uh, or believe in a man that was God. They could not understand that, would not understand it, would not believe that any man, any flesh and bone could be God. So Jesus says, you believe in God, believe in me. We're going to look at something that's very interesting in this chapter. Now, in the summer of the year of 2000, CBS found this new way to capture viewers' attention. If you were around in 2000, you remember this. They called it reality TV. It was the first reality TV show. CBS launched a 13-week reality show called Survivor. Many of you remember that. I mean, it caught on like wildfire. The first episode of Survivor drew 15.5 million viewers. That was on May the 31st of 2000. At its end, in mid-August, viewers numbered over 30 million people to watch this reality TV show, Survivor. The last episode drew a staggering 58.6 million viewers to watch this reality show called Survivor. It was a show that pitted several people against one another, if you weren't familiar with it, uh, to see who would outlast and last the longest and eventually come out as the sole winner. The first winner was Richard Hatch. Oddly, his nickname, Rich, is what got him. He became rich after winning Survivor, winning a million dollars. That was the prize since then, there have been several spinoffs to this thing called reality TV. Have you noticed how many reality TV shows there are? Do y'all know what I'm going to talk to you today about just a little bit? Realities. Realities. Let me ask you a question. Was survival really real TV? It's called reality. It's re reality. Was it real TV? Was, were they really surviving? If you've watched the show, if you've read about it, you understand some things about it. The, the show's mission statement was this, Survivor, outwit, outplay, and outlast. 
That's what they told every contestant. Now, Webster's Dictionary defines survivor as one who outlasts uh, and lives on in spite of troubles, difficulties, and tragedies. That's what survivor really means. It doesn't mean to outwit, outlast, outplay. As a matter of fact, Webster's Dictionary says nothing about outwitting, outplaying, or outlasting when you're surviving. Yet, the entire content of this show was to outwit, outplay, and outlast reality TV. See, that's not real TV. That wasn't real surviving. You understand that they put these people on an island somewhere or place somewhere, but they actually had medical doctors that were nearby in case someone got really sick or hurt. They had extra food, excess food, in case somebody really need. This wasn't really. You ever had to survive? Most of us have never really had to survive. That means you take whatever is in front of you, whatever necessities you have in your life, and you take what's in front of you, and you make it. You make it work. You see, that's not reality. TV that you watch today that's called reality TV, listen, if you're watching that, and you're, the, <clears throat> when I was a little wee boy, we would go to my grandfather's house. And every Saturday night at 9 o'clock, nothing else happened in that house except for Houston wrestling. Houston wrestling. And my grandfather and grandmother believed that was real stuff. Those guys were really doing that to each other. And And it was nothing more than, it wasn't real TV. It was reality TV. It wasn't authentic. Everything about reality TV that you see today is artificial. It's not reality. It's It's created by a Hollywood production company. I doubt there's anybody in Hollywood that knows what it means to survive. I doubt there's anybody there that, yes, maybe they've gone through some struggles and maybe they've gone through some places, but to survive, I doubt there's anybody in Hollywood that knows that. You know, that, that artificialness, did you remember who shot J.R.? Do you all remember anybody here old enough? That was reality TV. But in reality, was it reality? When people are actually trying to survive, they stick together. They don't stab each other in the back. You see, that's what Survivor was, a, was about. Not only were they trying to outdo the circumstances, but they were constantly stabbing each other in the back. If you've ever been to a place, and I've told this story before, uh, my brothers and I and two of my cousins went out, my grandparents, and we went out in the woods. Our parents were fine with this. Y'all probably were going to gasp. We were gone all day long because we were out in the woods exploring. They had no idea where we were at, just that we were in the woods. They had no idea that we took any food, water. We didn't. They had no idea. You know, this was reality. So we followed these creek beds all day long. You know, and so about time it started getting dark, reality set in. We were lost. And so we band together, and we start looking and climbing trees and looking for them. And we spent several hours. It was about midnight before we saw my grandmother's light. To her, to her porch, and man, we ran. But we didn't stab each other in the back when we were out there, and we weren't pitting each other against each other. We were banded together, and that's what survival, surviving is really about. Now, let me stop here. The church is not about surviving. The, the church is about flourishing. We're, we're a flourishing people. We're not a surviving people. Too many churches today, that's what their church is about. Come in, and we'll just help you survive this thing, get you through it. 
And what happens is you don't see them reaching out to other people. They don't even reach out to themselves, amongst themselves. Reality is we survive together. We thrive together. We make it together. You know, the old saying going, the old, the old saying goes this way, one man is no match for an elephant. But a group of men, a group of men, that, that's reality. You know, cooperation is the key to survival. They had one of the survivor shows where they had, so people had to cooperate together to make it. So they kind of touched on it, but in the end of that show, they pitted the people that cooperated together and thought they were going to win the million dollars together. They pitted them against each other at the end point where only one would win. And they call that reality. That's not reality, folks. That's not even reality TV. Do, do you, don't, li- don't, don't lift your hands, please. Does anybody in here watch reality TV? Don't lift your hand. Can I give you the reality of that? It's best to get that flipped off really quick. It's not reality. At best, it's entertainment. And reality TV today is not even entertainment. Can I just use the old-fashioned East Texas word? It's trash. Because it's not reality. It, this reality TV business, it's the same old Hollywood package, just diff, dressed up different. That's all it was about. Artificial, authentic. Not, not authentic. In John 14, Jesus is about to leave his disciples. And reality is about to set in. Jesus is not setting them up for a TV show. He's not setting them up to do certain things, and they had to go through these obstacles. Reality was about to set in on their lives. It says they were troubled, and he said, don't be troubled. The word troubled in the Greek, terasso, means stirred and confused. These disciples, then when Jesus made the statement that he was going to leave, they became stirred and confused. Because after all, they believed in what was going to happen, that they were going to be part of this kingdom that was going to overcome. And they still had in their minds that, you know, we're going to defeat Rome and all of those things. They were understanding now for the first time that they were about to be left alone. They were about to be left alone. Jesus was leaving. So they needed something to grasp, something to grab onto. And that's why you find that Jesus doesn't offer worldly peace to them. He offers them a real peace. You see, there's a reality peace in this world, and there's a real peace in this world. Reality peace is like a reality TV show. You can only get peace if you can. I have some cousins, a cousin that's part of a particular denomination that's a Christian denomination that believes that you're not part of their denomination. It's okay for them to cheat you out of your money. It's okay if they take something from you. If you're not part of their group, it's okay. God's okay with it. That's the blessings of God. Because you're considered an outsider, a non-believer, if you're not part of their group. So it's okay to cheat you. That's not reality. That's not biblical reality. God blesses us, but He doesn't do it by us cheating money. He doesn't pit us against each other to bless us. It's not reality TV. And it's not really Christianity. Jesus gives them comfort, though, here. Jesus is about to give them comfort in their lives to understand that reality is about to set in. And it wasn't about outwitting one another. It wasn't about outplaying one another. And it wasn't about backstopping one another. And it wasn't about manipulating one another. It was the reality of relationship that they would have with Him and with one another. That's reality. I want this to set into you what reality is. Reality in God is a relationship with Him 
in a relationship with us. I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. You cannot not have relationship this way and have relationship this way. Jesus said that doesn't work. If you can't relationship this way, you can't relationship. How can a man say he loves God and he hates his brother? Well, I didn't say I hated you. I'm just not having a relationship with you. Look up the word hate. Look up the word hate here. The word hate here. Go back, go back and look at it. It means to love less. To love less. In this situation, to love less. You, you've got to love. Listen, as much as you love God, we have to love one another. That's a hard one, isn't it? Because I know you can love God really easy, but sometimes you can't love Pastor Don really easy. I understand that. That's the things that we work on, right? Well, you are. <laughs> I know some of you don't love me sometimes. I don't love me sometimes. Don't, don't, listen, look, look, can we be real transparent here? I know me well enough, and I don't love me enough all the time. I don't expect you to love me all the time. Love Him all the time, and through Him love me. And through Him love me. Because if you try to love me through you or through me, it's not going to work. The reason we have this and this is that they coexist. They coexist. One doesn't work without the other. So Jesus is explaining this to the disciples so that they understand what reality is about to be about. And He left them some very awesome realities in John chapter 14. He first offered them the reality of Himself. Throughout all of John's writing, he's very consistent when he speaks of the testifying of the reality of Jesus Christ. Now, you've got to remember, when John wrote his writings, it was about 90 A.D. It's well after the death of Jesus Christ. And, and as a matter of fact, when John wrote his writings, all of the other disciples were dead. He was the lone disciple, apostle left of the original there were false teachers that were saying, here's the Christ over here. There's the Christ over there. Isn't that funny? That's still going on. Man, for 2,000 years, people have been saying the same thing. But John would say in his, in his writings, he would say, no, we've seen him and testify of him. He's reality. He's reality. John 21 and 24, this is the disciple. This is John speaking. This is the disciple which testifieth of these things and wrote these things. And we know his testimony is true. You see, John always testified and always wrote of the reality of who Jesus was. Jesus left them the reality of a heaven. Now, I know I've blown some of y'all's heaven away and made some of you mad about what heaven's about, the streets of gold and all that stuff. But listen, let's, let's understand something about heaven. Heaven is more expansive and, and greater than our, what the reality of our mind. We have a reality TV approach to heaven, but Jesus has a reality of what heaven is. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, notice he says house of this tabernacle, you see, we are the tabernacle of God. We are The, the house is different. If we know our, uh, this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, Eternal in the heavens. Heaven's a house. Heaven's not a tabernacle. We're the tabernacle. H house. The word okia. Okia. That word okia, house, means family or abode or abode of family. Heaven is a family. 
heaven is a family. We look to heaven as the streets of gold. Now, there is a, a new Jerusalem, and we confuse that with that. Understand this. When you die, you go to... Jesus lives in... You don't want to say it, do you? You're afraid because Pastor Don's going to catch you. Heaven is a family. We think of heaven as a place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Look up what that says and look up what it means. He said, I am preparing a family for you. So that where I can be, you can be. That's a family thing. You see, it's a lot different when you say, come, let's go visit the house. Then let's go visit the family. I, I've been back to my mom and dad's house one time since they both passed away because that was a house. It was a, it, was a, it was a tabernacle. It wasn't really a house. The house left. The family left. They went on to be with the rest of the family. So Jesus was telling them, listen, Paul wrote it in 2 Corinthians. It's not a tent. It's not a tabernacle. But I am building you a family. See, right now our souls are tabernacled in our bodies. But the day is going to come when the abiding is in the family. A house not made with hands. So we're going to abide together as family. Man, it's going to be a big family reunion, isn't it? You ladies, get your pots and pans out and get ready. You have never cooked that much in your life. It's going to be a great, great thing because it's a family. He left heaven. He won't understand. You know, we look at things so physical because we're physical beings. But understand something. Heaven is so vast. I'm not taking away your heaven. Heaven is so vast that streets of gold and gates of pearls don't touch it. They don't touch it. Would you rather be with in eternity? Just ask this, and I'm going to move on. Would you rather be on streets of gold and gates of pearls in heaven, or would you rather be with your family that's gone on? Which one would you rather have? We all want to be with our family, don't we? we? We could, you know what? If the streets are wood and the grass is brown, I don't care. As long as I'm with you, I don't care. Because that's what heaven is about. It's about you and me. It's about us. He left them with the reality that he's coming back. Many of us have forgotten that. Many of us have forgotten that. Oh, no, Pastor Don, I think about it every day. Every week. Every month, once a year. Do you think about Jesus coming back every day? No, you young people don't, I know. you got things to do. you got a life to live. You've got a... Yeah, I was young once, too. I, I wasn't always this ugly and this old. I used to be young and ugly. Now I'm old and ugly. But understand something. <clears throat> Jesus left a promise. Jesus left them a reality. And the reality is, I am coming back for you. He said in verse 3 of chapter 14, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Stop. It's not us going to receive him when he comes back. It's not us that's going to receive him. He's going to receive us unto himself. His bride, that where I am, you may be also. As sure as death is real, because here's the thing: we we here's reality in, in in our world, death and taxes. 
You're going to pay them both. It's going to happen. Death and taxes. As sure as they are real, Jesus' return is real. Sometimes we get swayed a little, thinking, well, he's coming back, but it's probably going to be in my kids' era, and I'll be gone. Or it'll be a thousand years from now. Jesus never gave us a timetable, did he? Because he wants us to live with the reality that he's coming, and he's coming soon. He's coming again. If you knew someone was coming soon and your house was in disarray, what would you do? Your, your aunt and uncle, who you really, they, they talk to the family about everybody. They call you and they're two hours from your house. Oh, but we're on our way. What would you do? Yeah. Well, you know, some of you would click on the answer machine. We're not home right now. Now, you would scurry because you, you want that house to look the best it can because you know they're going to talk about you when they get over to Aunt Sally's house. They're going to talk about you. We need to live like Jesus is coming soon. Our house needs to be in order and ready at all times because he could show up right now. That's what Jesus was telling them. The reality is I'm coming back for you. You understand the disciples believe they were waiting around. They, Jesus is going to be back any day now. They thoroughly believe that. For the Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Pardon me. I wish we were first. No, I don't wish we were dead in Christ. I, I wish the alive were first. But it says the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. This is the reality that Jesus gave His disciples. This is why the writer could write what he wrote. That's awesome. To be with Him forever where He is, where we will be. 1 John 2 and 28 says this, And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. I'm amazed at the number of Christian people I talk to that don't, that don't have confidence that they're going to... Can I, I'm going to use this word because everybody understands it. It has a connotation that's different. <clears throat> that they're not confident now they'll be saved. That when I talk to them, they're living for God. And, and when I say, well, listen, you know, when you're living for God and you've done these things, and it's not that you work your way, but the Bible does tell us if, if, if we're born again and we live for Him, we can be confident if the Word says that. This is not a boisterous thing. This is a confidence in God's Word. But I'm amazed at the number of Christians that say, I hope so. I hope so. I hope that's right. I hope so. I hope that I'm right with God. My Lord, if you don't know you're right with God, t today's the day. We're going to get you right with God. Today, you need to know that you're right with God. That doesn't mean you're perfect. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you to be present. Not perfect, present. Be present. Be in His presence. Be present. Be present in your relationship with Him. Because tomorrow, you know what? You're going to need to be present. And in his, your relationship is going to change today. Your relation, Jesus has the same relationship. It's us that fluctuates. That doesn't mean you're lost and saved, lost and saved. I was telling Bishop about my mom and dad used to get so upset because they had a couple of friends that were a particular group of people, and they believed that if you were saved and then you sinned, you were lost. And so you had to repent, and, and then, then you're saved again, and then if you sinned again, you're lost again. And that Because my parents were of the once saved, always saved. And so you know how much that got in their crawl. 
God doesn't intend for you to live that way. That's not confidence in Him. You should have confidence that when you're living for Him, what I just read to you from 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians chapter 4 is true. It's not a hope so. It's not a maybe. Jesus told them, I am coming for you again. Do you believe He's coming for you again? That That was a hope. That was a hope, amen. Do do I believe He's come for me? Amen. That's a hope, amen. That's what that is. Do I believe He's come for me? Amen. That that, that is a confident amen. Have a confident amen. Pardon me. Revelation said He's coming after His bride. So this ought to be exciting because it's reality. By the way, just so I can plug this in, what you and I are living in right now is not reality. We're in a preparation time for reality. We're in a preparation time for reality. This is not reality. I was talking to Pastor Chris this week, and he told me of a website he'd been going to, and there were several several Christian leaders on this website, and they meet and they talk about, you know, what can we do to, you know, enhance the kingdom of God and make all those things, and He was telling me they discussed many issues about the kingdom of God. And he said uh, a couple of weeks ago, there's this one guy that kind of leads the whole thing. And everybody acquiesces to him. And, you know, he's kind of the, whatever you say is it. You're you're the man. You're the person. But whatever you say is gold. And so as they were talking, this guy makes this statement. He said, you know, really in today's church, what we really need is less of Jesus because we, we, we were born again, now we've outgrown Jesus. We need less of Jesus, and we need more of what the church can offer to people. That's how we're going to... Re- can you imagine a Christian leader saying, we need... Chris said, <laughs> he said, man, I, I'm not a cursor. He said, but I wanted to cuss. <laughs> he was mad. He said, I stopped him right there, and I said, listen, I'm telling you right now as a pastor of a church of Jesus Christ, we need more of Jesus, and we need less of this. And he never, he, he clicked off. He said, I've never been back. There are Christian leaders that say we need more of Jesus or less of Jesus. Less of Jesus. We, listen, we need more, more, more of Jesus. More of Jesus, not less of Him. Jesus left His disciples with the reality of how to uh, obtain a relationship with Him. He didn't leave them relationship short did the disciples have a relationship with Jesus sure they did just because you have a relationship doesn't mean you're a child all of the disciples Mary Jesus's mother all those involved had to be born again to enter into that born-again relationship. Otherwise, all they had was relationship. There were those that had relationship with Jesus that got what they needed and moved on. There were those that followed Him all the way through, and then it was over, they moved on. Well, apparently that wasn't the Messiah. They had relationship. He healed many, 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 many people. That was relationship. But there's a born-again relationship you have to have. And Jesus left them with the reality of what it means to be born again and come into the church, to be a part of His body. 
He told them in John 3, you got to be born again. You must be born of water and of the Spirit. It's real simple. He didn't leave them this long, I'd call it lethargic, follow this. You know, there are some people, if you've got to follow it to the T, and it's a thousand things long, and you miss number 898, so let's go back to number one. And That's not what Jesus said. He said, you just need to be born again, being born of water and the Spirit. He said, when you do that, you now enter into a relationship with me. That relationship brings you to a place where you can, and here's where most of us go wrong. That relationship brings us into a place where you can now go to heaven. And that's where we go wrong. Because the born-again relationship is to get you into the kingdom, the church, so that you can, you can follow Matthew 28, 19. Boy, y'all gotten quiet on me. Most of us want to be born again so we can go to heaven. You understand when you're born again and you live in kingdom life and you live kingdom principles, guess what you get to do? You get to meet up with the family. That's what you get to do. It's the sidebar. Too many, for, for too many of us, it's the main, heaven's the main thing. Most Christians don't want to go to heaven to be with Jesus. This is a sad, I was reading this in an article this past week, another one of those where they asked 500 Christians, why do you want to go to heaven? Jesus was number three, to be with Jesus. Number two was to be with my family, to be with my loved ones. Number one, guess what it is? To escape hell, to escape hell. That's the wrong reason to be born again. To be born again is to get into the kingdom, kingdom principles, and guess all of this glorious stuff. Just You know what? You get to show up and you get to get it. There's nothing else you have to do but just live for him. Be his disciple. You're not working your way, but let me explain something. We live for God in faith. James says faith without works. That word works are the deeds that we do according to the will of God, not our own deeds. I'm going to show up to church every Sunday, Sunday school every Sunday, every Wednesday night. Thank you. God bless you. I'm glad you are. That has nothing to do with the heaven thing. It can help you get that approach, and it can help you get that understanding. Boy, y'all getting awful quiet on me. Jesus left them a reality that he's coming back. He left a reality of what heaven really is. Listen, Jesus didn't just teach truth. Jesus was truth. He didn't just teach it. He was it. And since he is the way, the truth, and the life, nobody comes to the Father except through him. Now, many today will say, if you say that, you're narrow-minded. You're narrow-minded. If you believe Jesus, we should be more tolerant because after way, there, there are many ways to God. Have you heard that one? Now, I'm not talking about Buddhism, and I'm not talking about Hinduism. I'm not talking about all the, I'm talking about in Christianity, this is being said. There's really many different ways to get to God, and you find your way, and we'll all, of, in our different ways, there's a particular group, and I don't like calling names, but that, that's the manifestation of their group that we'll all make it from our different ways. <clears throat> it's just not biblical. And there's not a lot of different ways. Listen, Jesus is not a good way to get to heaven. He's not the best way to get to heaven. He's the only way. He's the only way. There aren't many ways. 
And there is not a good, best, and better. He's just the only way. Jesus didn't ask for our votes for the most appealing candidate for Savior of the world. Vote for me for Savior. But people approach Him that way because they have an idea uh, that's not reality. He's the only Savior. Listen, when you get to McDonald's or Burger King, isn't it somewhat confusing when you look up? The, even though you get the same, um, this is me, I get the same thing when I go to, I don't go to those places, by the way. Uh, but when you look at this list, there's all these things you can get. It's very confusing, isn't it? That's why there's only one way. God doesn't want you to be confused. Confusion is, the author of confusion is Satan. God's not the author of confusion. And he, there's not these different ways. You can't go to the McDonald's to heaven and pick your way. I'll have number three with an extra size of Holy Ghost. I'll have number four with extra baptism. I'm going to have number ten because I get to repent a lot. That's not how God set it up. The problem with that, when you stand in front of God and you have that unreal mentality, you become very confused because there's too many decisions. And when there's too many decisions, we have a problem with indecision. That's just what the devil wants you to do. To stand in front of and say, well, yeah, I guess there is a difference. You know, after all, they're nice people and, you know, they, they don't do this and they don't do that and they, they, they love the Lord and they're nice people. Now they do this, but that's all right because God forgives them and they can do this. And that group over there, man, they don't do anything. They, you know, they, they don't do anything. And, this, and our group, well, we're the nicest. And if they'd all be like us, they wouldn't have any problem. But that there, that there's... Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Now that seems narrow-minded. But listen, that's opportunity-minded. And understand this about the Lord. When He gave us the reality of heaven, it's opportunity-minded, not, not narrow-minded. <clears throat> you ever been to that a new place? And, uh, let's try that one. Let's try that one. I'll try that one. A lot of people are approaching God in our society that way today. They're looking for a way. And approaching God under that manner. Listen, understand that religion and denomination came by, came by way of man. Religion and denomination both came by way of man. Religion is man seeking God. And a denomination is a division of the man seeking God. That, that's what that is. Christianity is God seeking man. You didn't, I love you, kiss you. You didn't seek God. He sought you. He found you. You didn't accept Him. He accepted you. You didn't receive Him. He received you. It's biblical, scriptural. Understand that. That's reality. <clears throat> There's too many McDonald Christians in the world today. Make a choice. Jesus was very specific in that reality. He left the reality of the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> I can tell some of you I don't like McDonald's. And I can tell you some of you are real big fans of McDonald's. Your expressions are priceless. Verses 16 through 17, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. So Jesus came as the first comforter. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor of the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Jesus was the first comforter. Because Jesus said, He will another comforter. So hang on. Now, see, now, priceless, 
Priceless. Uh-oh, Don's done got off the rail. That, you may, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Do you understand who he's talking about before I go to it? He's talking about the Holy Ghost. Okay. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. The world can't receive the Holy Ghost because it can't see him. Neither knoweth him. The world can't receive the Holy Ghost because the world doesn't know him. But ye know him. For he dwelleth with you. You know what Jesus was saying? The Holy Ghost is standing right in front of you. And when I leave, the comforter that comes is me. But not outside of you, inside of you. That was a reality. Listen, when you say Holy Ghost in most Christian churches today, don't say that again. That's a little uncomfortable. Now, when you say Holy Spirit, yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm not downplaying the Holy Spirit at all because the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit are the same thing. There's a reason, there's a reality in Holy Ghost. Holy, separate, separate, ghost, spirit of the departed one. You receive that separated spirit of the departed one, that comforter, the Holy Ghost, shall be in, and shall be in you. Jesus, I'm standing before you. I'm going to be in you. Pretty simple. The comforter is standing right here in front of you. Listen, you're never going to be a successful Christian without the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You'll never be a successful Christian without the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Now, can I take it one step further? You can't be a Christian without the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Ghost is the Spirit. That Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it will quicken your mortal body. All of these things are part of what the reality Jesus was explaining to these disciples who still were trying to grasp that He was leaving. And He said, listen, I'm giving you all these realities, but I'm giving you promise in the end. The reality is the Holy Ghost is that quality and characteristic of Jesus Christ, His power and His authority in you. In you. That's what Jesus was saying. All that you've been through with me and all that you've seen with me and all this, it's all it, not that you've experienced it with me, but now it's going to be in you, with you, part of you. That's why we put on the whole armor of God. You don't put on the whole armor of God to survive. You don't put on the whole armor of God to survive. Why do you put on the whole armor of God? So that you can stand. So that you can stand. You have no worry with the whole armor of God. It has you in a place from head to toe. That's the reality of Jesus Christ. Since Jesus has already conquered death, hell, and the grave... I love this part. This, I, I tell myself this quite a bit. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Therefore, if, if I be in Him and He be in me, then, ah, yeah, it's a done deal if I'll just stay with Him. That's the reality of it. It's a done deal if I'll just stay. He's going to stay with me. He's not going to leave. It'll be up to me if I don't. 
He's going to stay with me. The world uh, only has this reality TV option. It's just not true. It's not, it's a design. Reality TV is like reality life that we live in. It's a designed playground to pit one another against each other. That's what this world is now become. A designed playground to pit us against each other. And shame on us if we allow it. Shame on us if we allow one to be pitted, especially in the church. Especially in the church. What we need more and more and more of is Jesus. That's the reality of it. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. God's design would be that you would have confidence in His reality. God's design would be that you would have confidence in His reality. The reality of Himself, the reality of His return, the reality of heaven, the reality of the Spirit. That's God's design. So I I just want to ask you a question this morning. I'm done. How sure are you of your reality? How sure are you of your reality? Do I know without a shadow of a doubt? Bishop and I were talking about something. It's a particular uh, doctrine or whatever you want to call it. Some groups have and some don't. We were just talking about it this morning. What should be, but sometimes isn't. The reality of it is we should go into relationship with Him and never leave. That's the reality of it. The other flip side of the reality is some do. That is, they do leave. That is a reality of it. But there's another side of reality that we don't like to explore too much. It's called the reality of belief. If, if we were to get a message right now over the EMS system that said that an atomic bomb was going to drop in Kennedale in about 15 minutes, You'd all jump in your truck and drive, wouldn't you? But that's you know what you know where the best place to be at, right here in Kennedale, right? You could guess what we're going to wake up to. Guess what you're going to wake up to. It'll hit with such magnification and force, you won't even know what happened. You just wake up in this peace, and presence of the Lord, in this paradise, in this place where there's no more trial and trouble. No more ignorance that's going around. No more, I don't even have to deal with Don anymore. Hallelujah. Some of you are saying the same thing. I don't have to deal with you either. Think about that for a second. The reality is I know, and this is not a boast for Don, because I'm not saying I have this great faith. I'm not saying that I have this magnificent, I have a different relationship than you have with God. Here's what I'm saying. I believe what this book says. It's, this is reality. This is reality. If it says it, you count on it. It's the real deal. Coke, not the real thing. Some of y'all don't know what that means. 
That's not snorting Coke. That's drinking Coke. That used to be a slogan. Coke, the real thing. Coke, not the real thing. Because there's Coke Light, and there's Coke Vanilla, and there's Coke, you know, there's all kinds of Coke. To us, Dr. Pepper was a Coke, and so was Sprite. It's not reality. Reality is knowing that you know in your knower that you have a relationship with Him, that you have a relationship with Him. What's your reality today? Do you know? The beautiful thing for me driving my Ford pickup is I know that if I get hit by another automobile, it'll have to be another Ford that hits me and kills me because no other automobile is that tough. Tough. Ford tough. You've seen that, right? <laughs> Listen, the reality of it is this. No matter what happens to you from this point forward, when you have the reality of this, it doesn't matter if it's a Ford, a Chevy, or a Dodge. It doesn't matter. I'm going to open these altars this morning. Maybe you want to make sure of your reality. Yeah, I like to come to the altar because I get to tell God, thank you for the reality. Because I, I lived in such an unreal world at one time. It's just uh, so unreal. And, and I believed it was so real. I believe what I was doing was so real that when, when God found me and, and showed me reality, it was like this incredible God. Every time I, and I said this like, I'm not saying this to brag, but I want you to listen. I want you to hear this. <clears throat> a person told me, man, you're the worshipest pastor I think I've ever seen. No, I don't worship as a pastor, period. I worship as a born-again Christian. That's why I worship. Pastor is a secondary thing God's called, and I honor, the, I honor that. I worship Him because He has allowed me reality. Reality. He's allowed me reality. The real deal. Lord, we're here at Your altar this morning. God, a taste of reality that we've had is so precious. We've tasted of this good gift. God, we've tasted of Your your abundance and mercy. We've tasted of your abundance and grace. We've tasted of your abundance in Holy Ghost. God, we've, we've tasted of all those things, and it's the reality. We stand at this altar this morning, God, thanking you for the reality of your word. We know that the Spirit leads and guides us. You lead and guide us into all truth, and that truth is in between the pages of this book. God, make me a lover of your word. God, make me a lover of your word so that my reality is a reality. We don't want to have re unreal reality TV as a church. We want this to be real church because we serve a real God. So minister to your people this morning, God, as we're here at this altar. We just once again come and say thank you for the real thing. In Jesus' name. Could you thank Him this morning? Just thank Him for the real thing. No, Coke's not the real thing. Jesus is the real thing. We need more of Jesus, the real thing. He is reality. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.